And I'm Quinn. And this is the Monstrous Woman Podcast. Fortnightly, we take an in-depth look at a woman or feminine monster who has fallen victim to the monstrous woman trope. We discuss their representation in different media, the real-world implications, and what we would change. The idea of this podcast comes from the Monstrous Feminine Theory by Barbara Creed. This theory gives us a lens to look through when considering why femininity is so often painted as monstrous. Before we get started, we want to provide a content warning for this episode. Medusa is a sexual assault survivor, and on this episode, we will be discussing her experiences, her trauma, and how her story has been told. Please take care of yourself while listening, and if you're not up for this conversation, we'll see you on the next episode. So this is the Medusa episode. Yes, this week we are so excited to explore the myth and pop culture surrounding Medusa. She is a survivor, a feminist icon, and the patron saint of this podcast. Joining us this week is a guest co-host. Wait, as a guest co-host? She is a guest co-host, and she's joining us as a guest co-host. Her name is Fran from the Best Stamp Camp podcast, who is joining us and is very excited to discuss Medusa. Thank you for talking with us, Fran. We're excited to have a guest who loves Medusa as much as we do. Would you like to introduce yourself? Yes, I'm very happy to do that. So yeah, I'm very excited to talk about Medusa. She is one of the most interesting uh, Greek mythology monsters. Obviously, one of the most iconic as well, just in general. Uh, Percy Jackson movies be damned. Um, And uh, me, I am a Percy Jackson podcaster, YouTuber, TikToker, and author uh, my, I don't know when this episode will be out, but if it's out after February 23rd, then my debut short story for my Into the Wild series will be out. It's called Echoes of the Past, and it is a prequel setup story to my Into the Wild series with the first novel coming August 20th of this year. Uh, it follows family, walls, uh, coming to understand and learn who you are, friendship and all that sort of good stuff. So uh if you like wolves, if you like adventure, check out Francesca McMahon. <laughs> <laughs> and who doesn't like wolves and who so doesn't exciting. like adventure? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's for everybody. <laughs> That's awesome, Fran. Yeah, this this will come out um after then. So so we will link your short stories. Uh, are you self publishing just out of curiosity or did you I am. So this uh, series in particular uh, is a self-published series because it will... It, <laughs> I love telling this story. So the story idea came from when I was high on morphine <laughs> after back surgery. And I was like, you know what? This this is a crazy enough idea that I thought publishers may not be interested. <laughs> it's quite niche, shall we say. <laughs> so to start let's give a little background on our own connections to medusa so quinn we'll start with you when did you first become aware of medusa and what's your current relationship with her like 
So I had to really think about where would I have first seen Medusa. And then I was just like, oh my God, duh. It was Jim Henson's Storyteller series. There is an episode on the Perseus and the Gorgon. And Medusa is this like awesomely terrifying like claymation like person. It's like definitely a person underneath all of that makeup. I think. In my personal theory, I don't know. I would love to watch a making of Jim Henson's Storyteller um, because no one talks about it. <laughs> um, but it was a foundational moment in my childhood because it's terrifying. Uh, it does not go into the backstory <laughs> of Medusa. It's more about Perseus and his tales. Um, but it's amazing. Came out in 1997. I got it from the library. It's a classic. Ooh, and Dumbledore is the storyteller in this one. There's a different one where Ollivander is. <laughs> it's a I great really series. I thought you meant the character of Dumbledore is voicing. <laughs> you know, like, no, no. Well, Michael Gambon. <laughs> <That's a great laughs> <laughs> yeah, what? Like, Hello, Harry Potter. <laughs> We have to tell you about the oh mythology God, today. I haven't seen the actor halfway through, but that was 100% where I was going. That's amazing. <laughs> nope, it was Michael Gambon. <laughs> um, and then probably I read Percy Jackson, of course, and Medusa's in Percy Jackson, and then Uma Thurman in the Percy Jackson movies. Um, I'm not exactly sure where I read, like, the backstory of Medusa that we're going to be talking about today. But I, I do know I read it and I was just so shocked that it's not just a common part of the story. Like, why isn't it in every iteration of the story? So what about you, Megan? So I, I believe the first introduction I had to the character of Medusa was this online game called Pop Tropica, which I don't know what age range uh, could relate to the experience of playing Pop Tropica, but it was very popular when I was in elementary school. And they had a Greek mythology island. And oh. so I know that Medusa was a villain in that. And I knew vaguely that she got her head cut off by a hero, and that was kind of the extent of my knowledge. But then in college, well, probably a little before that as well, but I was studying uh, like sociology and specifically gendered violence. And so Medusa started coming up a lot because uh, in real life, if it's a safe home for women who have been abused, specifically abused in, through gendered violence, they'll mark the building with Medusa. And then that way people know that that's what it is. Well, women know, and it's like a secret code essentially. Um, well, not so secret, because obviously they talk about it openly, but men don't pay attention, so it somehow still works. And um, so I, I was like, oh, that's so interesting that like a Greek mythology monster would be the emblem. And so I decided to do some research, and I was like, okay, she's not a monster, and I was just misled my entire life. So then I have a pretty, um, I don't know, I guess in-depth connection to her now, because I work in domestic violence prevention, and so we use her as a symbol all the time, and I've read you know, different iterations of her and stuff. So it's been, it's been a learning journey with Medusa. <laughs> Very cool. What about you, Fran? Um, 
so I was trying to so I saw the question I was like oh well I forgot to read this question when I was uh, trying to prep for this for the episode but it literally just came to me when you mentioned when um Kuma was mentioning their parts um and the first time I remember like hearing somewhat about Medusa was in a Sarah Jane Adventures episode with the Gorgon monster where they reference Medusa as like this alien creature in, in relation to like these Gorgons where they like they do turn people to stone but to like steal their youth and stuff like that or something like that. I can't remember exactly what it was exactly, but it was very interesting. <laughs> and they were all nuns. It was like evil nuns <laughs> which was <laughs> there's like no correlation it was just yeah it's it's the nuns who are working with the gorgon but like they're under the gorgon's power and then there's a reference to medusa oh sorry say again the nuns were like a front for the gorgon seemingly so there was like a i think they mentioned it was like a teleconnect teleconnectic connection thing so basically the gorgons had kind of mind controlled them to basically bring people for them to steal the youth from, to keep them young and healthy or something. So um, a power based in mythology. Medusa in relation to like... Yeah, yeah, basically. <laughs> um, and they do the whole mirror thing to like turn the Gorgon into stone themselves and reference Medusa in relation to that. Um, and I remember hearing about it. I was like, oh, that's interesting. I like Greek mythology. Let's bring this up a little bit more. I, I didn't because I was a stupid kid, <laughs> but um, eventually I did go down the line, the lane of like like after reading Percy Jackson as well, and obviously I've seen Uma Thurman. I used to date your daddy, rubbish, and all that sort of stuff. Um, I then looked into it a little bit more and, uh, from ironically a queer retelling of Medusa is where I learned more about like her being a salt an assault survivor and stuff like that and theories that people kind of came up with following now of like her, actually no maybe i should save this information for later but basically <laughs> I, I went down a rabbit hole of fan fiction and fan theories of medusa yeah very cool i've definitely <laughs> gone to similar places on the internet <laughs> yeah so how do you guys think this myth has changed over time Would you like to share your thoughts first? I would indeed. Thank you. <laughs> um, <laughs> so <laughs> I think so. I think it both has changed and hasn't. So, like within popular culture and like just common knowledge, Medusa is still one hundred percent seen as this monstrous creature. Like no more, no less. But in the science of things, where people like to examine things a little bit more, as like more people like around our generation, so younger generations like to not take things at face value because what's the fun in that we like to make things difficult um <laughs> and so people have looked into it a little bit more which is where i think the myth has kind of changed more in like the culture and the way in which people understand how it is of like medusa both being like this symbol of the reality for women who are assault victims like more often than not they're just further victimized they're not really ever given any sense of justice or anything is ever done to the uh to the perpetrator or anything like that but also the ideas that have come out with it for just like what you were mentioning um earlier about uh her symbol being used for domestic violence shelters and making sure it was a symbol for strength for assault victims 
to find solace within it. And even the ideas that people have brought forward of this idea of the reason why Athena changed um, Medusa into this monstrous figure was so that no man could ever hurt her again. So she had this sort of way to protect herself through stopping any man from hurting her again, quite literally by turning him to stone, getting her own revenge in some way. Um, considering obviously ancient Greek society, not exactly great for women in general. Mm. Um, so I quite like that idea of the possibility of the reason why Athena did this and changed Medusa into uh, a gorgon. Um, was it? Yeah, no, we'll just call it a gorgon. That makes sense. <laughs> um, <laughs> was in a sense to help protect her from anything that could happen in the future because. The people who are coming after Medusa aren't exactly coming after her with, you know, good means and good, like, intentions. Um, so I think it just leads to this possibility of just interpreting the myth in different ways, in forms of kind of seeing empowerment for women, but also understanding that the fact that society doesn't really give women the opportunity to feel empowered once they have been a victim, due to the fact, like, I know lots of people are trying to bring in the term of like not calling people victims, but people calling people survivors instead. Um, very slowly coming in. I, I'll be using that from now on as well. Um, and I think that's what Medusa is as well. She is a survivor. Um, just unfortunately, the way in which society was in ancient Greece, she continued to be persecuted herself and it didn't exactly end happily, which just kind of makes me think about that whole promising young woman situation once something terrible has happened things don't always kind of feel like they can get any better especially if there's no justice that comes from it yeah absolutely yeah i i agree with you that it's it's interesting how greek myths change but it's a little hard to realize that because in our current society we're sort of obsessed with canon and yeah. what what's really true versus what people add on that was not really how ancient greece operated their stories were very fluid and their like intentions and interpretations changed constantly which is a really really cool form of storytelling so obviously the myth has changed over time and and that's of course interesting and has implications but it's so interesting how medusa as a figure has changed over time um, in our current American society and Western society, obviously. Um, but from, I know like in 2016 with that presidential election that we had, like there were posters where Trump was supposed to be Perseus and Hillary was supposed to be Medusa. Holy crap. And that was a, I like, didn't see those. Yeah, yeah. And that was a negative thing towards Hillary. And it is funny cause it's sort of the patriarchy's fault that she's been transformed into this symbol in a lot of ways mm. because medusa herself is a passive figure and that's nothing against her at all but she was assaulted and then she went to to go protect herself she secluded herself she tried to stay away from everybody she never attempted revenge she never attempted any of this but at some point everybody decided to make her like this man-hating monster and when you do that, then we come back and we're like, um, no, actually, that's not how you're going to get to interpret her. And so now Medusa holds all this power for women. And like, they definitely brought it upon themselves because she was trying to just live her life on an island. Like, you're the one who who messed it up. 
Yeah, Perseus not understanding that women deserve to have some space. Yeah. Yeah, or their heads. Yeah, that as well. <laughs> <laughs> I sort of want to defend Perseus because he was Perseus sort of tricked in into killing Medusa by the guy who wanted to marry his mom. Um, But also, he did kill her. But also, <laughs> he should have asked some questions. Yeah. No question. There should have been some questions asked. But he was tricked overall. I Yeah, you, you mentioned this to me because I did fully call Perseus what I think a woman hater. And I, it's not that I don't stand by that. It's just that it is more complicated. Yeah. Um, and I, I kind of put him on the level of Odysseus. Because Odysseus was, like, objectively a bad yeah. person, right? Mm-hmm. But he loved his wife. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the bad things he did, he did for his wife. Oh, wait, I'm thinking of the wrong person. And I feel like... Yeah. I was like, ah, and I was like, wait, no, that's the wrong person. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so every... <laughs> so I feel like it's kind of similar with Percy and his... Perseus and his mom. Like, so Perseus's mom was assaulted by Zeus. He should have had some awareness that women were treated very badly, you know? So he should have gone to this island with, like, this scared woman living alone and asked some questions, been like, hmm, is chopping off her head plan A? Could we maybe workshop this a little bit? Yeah. But at the same time, it's not as if he was, like, this honor, bloodthirsty quest. So I get what you mean. Yeah. Um, no, not only was his mom assaulted by Zeus, she was then put in, into a box with her newly born child and thrown out to sea mm. by her father. So he should know that men are up to no good and he doesn't question anything a man ever says to him, which is problematic in itself in the myth. Yeah. As I'm trying to think of the... Yeah, I'm trying to find oh, the king's say, name. Polydictes. Because like, obviously the whole reason why he's going after Medusa is to kind of save his mum from like a marriage that she doesn't want um what would have been interesting if he'd gone to medusa kind of seen that something didn't seem quite right because it wasn't like she was leaving her cave or anything it's like okay this seems a bit odd that i'm going after this random person who doesn't seem to be causing any harm and then go in Mm -hmm. know to not look at her and then just ask her some questions just like start up a dialogue and figure out what's going on and then they team up together he brings her to yeah and like kill the, the, the dickhead of a man <laughs> who's trying to marry his mum against her will uh, against her will and have medusa you know turn into stone and then you know bonding friendship yeah her get her some sunglasses her protector. friendship that's all you need in that life <laughs> i agree and i think the fact that he ends up using her head to save his mom, she literally could have been alive for that. Yes! Exactly. Like, why do... It just takes five minutes of forethought. Mm-hmm. Perseus. Percy Jackson. Like, Percy Jackson and Perseus are the same. You know, it's, you know, no thoughts, head mm-hmm. empty, let's go fight fists. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know. He needed an Annabeth. Yeah, but I don't think anybody's calling Perseus a himbo. No. He did need an Annabeth! <laughs> he did! He did. Or a Sally Jackson, because I'm pretty sure Ooh. Sally Jackson would be pissed if yep. she knew that Percy oh. had done that. Well, what would that be? It would be like Percy doing something to save Sally. Her, Sally from Gabe. Sally would be like, no, I can save myself. Thank you very much. But it is. we'll get to the parallels. Let's talk a little bit about Athena's intentions. 
because we've mentioned it, but I I just find it appalling that the myth goes that she did it on purpose. Quinn, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I I don't know about in- Athena in this myth. I I really have any. I, I I don't know other than if she's doing it to in, help Medusa protect herself. That that's one thing. But in most of the myths, it's just Athena doing it because she can't get back at Poseidon, and then it's almost like she sort of forgets about it. Or well, not really. She then makes a, a Medusa's face the, the her emblem on the shield, uh, Aegis, which is. It's interesting that she chooses someone that she she victimized basically. But she turned her into a monster and then she I I have so many conf- conflicting feelings about Athena in this myth. Yeah. It's just so complicated. Yeah, I I think it's really it just doesn't make sense for her character. Like, I understand that the myth puts it this way. But I feel like this is one of the most obvious places where, like, it was written by a man. Mm. Because Athena is the goddess of wisdom. She is smart enough to not be a victim blamer. Well, okay. So, before we get to the point of thinking all high and mighty about Athena, because I don't know. I don't know if she's not a victim blamer. Because I don't know. Like, think of, like, what she does to Arachne. She's never a sympathetic person, I don't think. She never is just like, oh, I'll do something nice for you. Like, um, So there's a woman na- or a princess named Cornix uh, or Coronices. Uh, and she was also attacked by Poseidon. But she didn't, like, it didn't get to the point where Poseidon caught her she was walking along the beach Poseidon saw her and did like basically a wolf whistle move of the ancient Greece uh and started chasing her and she started running and she cried out to the gods and is like please help me help me I just bumped my microphone but she called out like please help me gods and Athena heard her and she transformed her into a crow which is she got away from Poseidon, but now she's a crow. Is she, is she, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, it's like these acts of kindness aren't very kind. Fran, do you want to show your point? <laughs> um, yeah, I'm going to say, I just, the fact that Athena, like, as is mentioned here, did actually transform other women like Cornix or, I, I can't tell you the other one. Um, the other pronunciation I was, like, I saw that. I was like nope can't no can't do that with my dyslexia um who was also attacked by Poseidon and like Athena sees this and she's like not on my watch and turns her into a crow like that just that makes so much so much more sense to Athena as a goddess and as a as and as like a particularly a female goddess who has also nearly been a victim of assault herself from Hephaestus and I think maybe one of the other gods as well, but I know Hephaestus for one was like one of the main ones. It makes no logical sense for her to victim blame by punishing Medusa. And then, because she's the one who like helps Perseus kill Medusa, if I remember correctly, or am I thinking of something else? Yeah, she is involved yeah. in it, yeah. Yeah, she is. And it's just... 
I know, it just, it really, it, she it, is it involved. comes out of left field completely. Like, it's, considering everything else we know about her mythology, it's mm-hmm. just really, really strange. Like, and, yeah. and it happens in her temple as well. So, the gods are connected to their temples. They're, she would have known if something was about to happen. She could have just transformed Medusa and keep her protected. Yeah. I, yeah, it, it, it just feels so out of character, and I think it's really frustrating to read things like this, because we know in real life, like, as a woman, we would know better, as someone who experienced this, but because there were no female authors and no real female perspectives, this is how women get written, and it's so hard to, like, see your heroes fall mm. this way, like, it's so frustrating to have to try to like rack your mind for reasons why Athena even though she's a you know not even a real person would do this to Medusa because you want them to like support one another and and Mm. come in with like resources and protection and instead she comes in with snakes for hair and then later kills her and mounts her on a shield which is not cool yeah it's so complicated my and, and I want to justify it for her because I want to, like, protect Athena. I want to, like, I've thought maybe, like, Athena's kind of the sort of person or goddess who wouldn't necessarily care if she was transformed into a crow or a gorgon. Like, I don't really think that would affect her self-esteem. So I could see that not being something terrible to her. Mm. Or I could even be like, yeah, gods are careless. Like, they think about the moment. They don't think about the future. Whatever. But even so, she helps Perseus murder her later. Yeah. What's the workaround for that? So it's just... pop culture in Greek mythology, Percy Jackson comes to mind, and of course Medusa makes an appearance in this series. So Medusa comes up as a minor villain in the first novel of the Percy Jackson universe, The Lightning Thief. Medusa makes her appearance in chapter 11, where the three protagonists are lured to her lair by the smell of food and then discover her hidden identity and ultimately fight her and behead her to escape. Now, I love Rick Riordan and the Percy Jackson books more than the average person. Not more than the two people that I'm podcasting (laughs) with, but this is easily one of his worst portrayals. So let's discuss the problematic nature of this a little bit more. The first point we wanted to bring up is Medusa is Easternized in a concerning way. Oh, the putting her in a burqa was, yeah. that was, I remember reading that even because I read the books for the first time at 19 and straight away that was the first thing that stood out to me as a, what the hell is this decision? Um, yeah, it was fully like, and I was more aware of like the issue behind it because there'd been a situation at that time in the UK of our now Prime Minister referring to Muslim women who wear burqas as letterboxes and bank robbers. Um, and yeah, and then hmm. Prime Minister, so that was even before he was our Prime Minister, and people still went, Yeah, that's someone I want in power. UK, 
sort so itself out. Um, but it was, yes, it was a whole thing. So I was aware of that at the time. So reading this even more, was, it stood out to me as like an additional thing. I was just like, what was, and they gave her sort of like, and it was meant to be like an accent, but not because it's her talking with her snake voices, making her sound like she has yeah, like a, a Middle Eastern accent, which just, just a lot. Yeah. It just very yeah. It doesn't really make like sense at all. Whole, yeah, it was just it very much just felt like this whole situation, especially from what I'm I know of like of the US as well. It, similar issues up, uh, to the UK of unfortunately demonizing mm-hmm. Muslim and Islam, um, and the fact that she is a villain, mm-hmm. she is wearing a burqa, she is luring in children. And then she tries to kill children and all these sort of things whilst appearing in like Middle Eastern clothing just gives a very uncomfortable image, especially considering this book came out in 2005, obviously only a couple of years after like yeah. 9-11 and the events that happened with that. Um, and well, it just felt very... It felt like a choice, especially considering obviously rise in hate crimes that did happen after the events against the Muslim community and even yeah. the Sikh community um, and things like that. And Yeah, it felt like a very 2005 choice. Muslim people be portrayed as villains in media, which has continued until this day. Um, 100% something I hope they completely change in the Percy Jackson TV show adaptation. If it's in there, I think I would actually stop watching. Yeah. Yeah, if we see, like, no reckoning or no learning, that would be so frustrating. I I completely agree with you. Um, So, another great podcast, it's called Witch Please, (laughs) and it it talks about Harry Potter, uh, and it sort of evaluates Harry Potter through different academic theories, and one of the ones it talks about is um, this shorthand that we have of saying the orient or calling something oriental mm. and basically authors use this to indicate that something's like bad or out of place or that the characters aren't noticing that something is amiss but they should be and so in the person or in the harry potter series we see this with professor quirrell wearing a turban mm. and that should have told you that he was hiding the dark lord in the back of his head the whole book um but in in this is similar like oh Percy, Annabeth, and Grover should never have accepted food from a woman wearing a burqa. They should have known she was secretly a monster. Like, the implications of that are so damaging. Mm. Um, I hadn't even thought of the timing of it, but you're so right to release that in 2005 in America is, frankly, a dangerous thing Mm. to do. Um, And that's something you definitely see with Rick Riordan. Like, when you reread the first series, you can tell that he cares about kids, and you can tell that he cares about issues that have been laid out in his feet. But I think we do see him progress as an author and as a person in later series of actually going out and researching characters and not just writing characters that have a marginalized identity as a cis straight white man, but actually, you know, fielding questions and getting Mm. um, research and help in those decisions. Because I know today he, you know, I think he would have made a different choice based on on his later characters, but it's really, it's kind of a disorienting mm. that 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 is the origin of percy jackson the books were that problematic yeah which i def- is definitely something that the post jackson fandom to this day are still not willing 
to to admit i i have uh <laughs> yeah quinn what are your thoughts oh i hardcore agree with everything that fran says um <laughs> fran's always right <laughs> it's a rule (laughs) yeah medusa in the lightning thief is very concerning the like her entire depiction and then also it's interesting when the gorgons are introduced in what lost hero no son of neptune whatever the gorgons are there and Mm. they are not portrayed as middle eastern so it's just an interesting difference they are not at all depicted mm. as Middle Eastern. So it served, uh, oh, but they are the, her sister. So I think he does sort of lean away from that after the first book. The first book is just so glaringly early 2000s. Um, and there are de- like that is one of the big choices that were made that's just like, okay, when was this made? This makes it a period piece. Like, <laughs> It's just, yeah. Uh, yeah. And then also, so I did some extra reading. This was not in the sort of assigned reading for this episode, but in Rick's uh, Percy Jackson Greek or Percy Jackson's Greek Gods, which is the retelling of Greek myth through the voice of Percy Jackson, I went through that book to see how the story of Medusa was told. So it's in a chapter called Poseidon Gets Salty. And it's in a section where it goes over many of Poseidon's, um, I guess you could say them, call them romances. Rick definitely tries to. This is already a yeah. note for me. Yeah, he he fully just like really kidifies it. It really, it, it's, it's sort of gross. Um, but it, it, it sort of, it, uh, but in this section of romances, it sort of turns into an explanation of him and, uh, Athena's feud. But so this section comes right after, or so the Medusa story comes right after the story of, oh God, her name, Cornix or Coronices, whatever, the girl who turned into a crow. Uh, and it sort of makes it this sort of a uh, linear story. Like, okay, he's mad that he didn't get Coronices. So uh, he goes looking for a way to insult Athena and comes across Medusa. In Rick's version, Medusa is not a priestess. Uh, and quote, unlike Coronices, Medusa was flattered that the sea god liked her. So it was a consensual relationship. They go on a date that ends at the temple of Athena and it's implied that they have sex. Uh, Athena then sees this and gets super disgusted and wants Poseidon to experience something even more disgusting. So she transforms Medusa while Poseidon is still kissing her. And that's where Rick really shines of just going a lot of expletives. Um, (laughs) uh, Poseidon runs out screaming and Medusa is left to discover what she has been transformed into. Uh, And then, quote, she covered her head with a shawl and shrunk away. So in Rick's tellings, uh, her sisters then slink away with her. And then over the years, uh, their close proximity to her turn them into gorgons so rick's story is still very twisted um but it is a consensual relationship which gives me a little pause 
Yeah. Is that worse? I don't know. It almost feels worse. It's. I know because Poseidon would be tricking her knowingly. Like either way, Poseidon is tricking Medusa into something that she know he knows that she will get into trouble for. If it's quote unquote consensual, it's a power dynamic. You can't have consent with a power differential that great. It is a mortal mm. and a god. Yeah. And so, like, there's no nuance there. And I think, like, maybe if this was day one origin, Ovid never wrote it, Rick, it's Rick's character. This is, like, questionable, but maybe not horrible. But that's not true. We do know that Medusa is a sexual assault survivor. We do know that he's choosing to sanitize it for the sake of making it a children's novel because... I was just saying... Oh, go ahead, I, Just because I remember this because I did an episode of it for my podcast and it made me so angry. So he does the whole thing of like, oh, it was consensual between Medusa and Poseidon, whilst also in the same chapter mm-hmm. having Poseidon's assault of Demeter in the same chapter and calling it and like sort of indirect quote called it cuddling instead or something to that of that ilk really oh my god and it's just so it's okay for children to read about percy chopping her head off and then percy's mother using the head to murder her abusive boyfriend that's not a diss on sally she should do that if she wants to but that's incredibly violent (laughs) but we can't have a discussion about Mm -hmm. sexual assault you know, like, I understand the the thought process Rick had and, like, well, we can't include sexual assault in a children's book. It's very 2005, but I get that that's why he did it. But, like, the violence in these books is so intense. Annabeth and Percy spend, like, a however long in Tartarus by the yeah, end of this An entire series. book. But an we entire can't book. <laughs> Well, what? The most brutal death ever, I think, in Lightning Thief, when he stretches that guy and then chops his head off. What's his name? Like, not... Oh, yeah. Oh, gosh. What's his name? Procrustes. Procrustes, yes. That's such a brutal death. Yeah, these books are so violent. have a real discussion. Yeah. And it's a very male thing to be like, kids will perceive violence if I write it in a funny way and it won't be damaging to them. But don't you dare talk about gender Mm. issues. Yeah. So another point we wanted to bring up was that Annabeth is Athena's daughter and Percy is Poseidon's son. Yet that history in relation to Medusa is hardly addressed at all. Like, Annabeth's entire identity for the first couple of books is being a daughter of Athena. How did she not explain to Percy the, like, the complicated nature of them interacting with Medusa? Yeah. Uh, I, in the first book, Annabeth answers zero questions. <laughs> I feel like I remember Very Percy true. just being like, so what's going on? And they're just like, you'll find out. Like, it's never, <laughs> they're very vague. It's all about like the intrigue of the universe. Mm. Um, it's very frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> I I feel like I really wanted Annabeth in this series to have an arc where like she kind of has an arc where she starts questioning the gods. Like Percy is pretty irreverent from day 1, but Annabeth really comes into her own and starts questioning things, which I think is a really fantastic arc, but it doesn't extend 
like it doesn't ever bring a gender dynamic in it and as somebody who talks about how like she gets the dumb blonde stereotype all the time and like women are underestimated she it it makes sense for her to start critically thinking and being like okay yeah Medea shouldn't you know murder children totally fair but we should like there are layers to it and let's evaluate that and like with somebody like Medusa who is truly just a survivor of sexual assault and not a villain at all Annabeth is smart enough and should be the kind of character who later reflects on this experience Mm. And is like, oh, actually, my mother was horrible to her, and Percy's father was even worse, and we definitely shouldn't have murdered this lady. I was just thinking, when Medusa tells her own story, she, like, vaguely tells her own story, I think, to Annabeth. She's just like, oh, there was this woman who, a very beautiful woman, and another woman got jealous of her for dating this very handsome man. And the woman who's supposed to be getting jealous is Athena in that story, like, according to Medusa's words in The Lightning Thief. And so I wonder if, so I'm thinking like Annabeth sort of sees that as that. So she, and especially in The Lightning Thief, she just like takes everything that her mom has ever done as just like, this is amazing. I must like follow in her footsteps. Mm -hmm. So I I think in the first book, at least she would have had such trouble seeing um, any kind of negative with anything that her mom ever does. Yeah. That I can agree with. And it's definitely an issue throughout the whole series. Like, considering the whole first series is all about how the gods suck, and that's why a bunch of their kids have turned on them, because they're terrible, terrible parents, you'd think there'd be a little bit more self-reflection from, like, Percy and Annabeth. Like, Nearly all of the main female characters are very much the strong female character, like trademark, you know, not exactly the best characters, but also not like other girls at the exact same time. Um, and it's just, it's yeah. disappointing on so many levels that there is no critical look into their, into like their relationship with other women. Like the series barely even passes the backdoor test. Like every one of the books only one book, as far as I can remember, passes the Bechdel test. Yeah. <laughs> That's wild, because it's a 10-book series. 25. So 25. Is that Titan's them. Curse? Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, it's not, because technically, because it's from Percy's point of view, any conversation between women is technically also engaging Percy in the conversation. Oh my god! So he's technically not. Yeah. You're so right. Here is the part of the episode where we hope to discuss an amazing feminist retelling where the heroine of the episode is done justice. This does not always happen as with this episode. There isn't a great feminist novel reclaiming Medusa the way we want out there yet. 
I personally have a project coming out in 2024 that will retell this myth, but as of now, we don't have a text to point to. In the event that we are still waiting on or for our new favorite book, we are going to discuss what exactly we are looking for in the portrayal of Medusa. So what do you guys, if you ever read a book about Medusa, if an ever finally presents itself as the quality feminist text that we need, what do you want to read? What needs to be included? I'm sort of stuck on my You Choose novel. I'm going to make, I'm going to write it. I'm going to make a You Choose Medusa story uh, just so I can include every possibility. But it is a, I think I know. I think we could do it. Like it could be a fun like series <laughs> mythology you choose. Um, I think I saw a Shakespeare one once. Trademark. Yeah, <laughs> TM TM. <laughs> uh, so I think Poseidon rape raping the assault of Medusa should definitely be a part of the story. But then also, it needs to be really delicately handled. Like, it's so complicated because it's not like, oh, I really, I want her to get raped. No, I don't. I don't want it to happen. Don't want it to happen. But, ugh. Ugh. Exactly. We can't erase history. Exactly. I don't want to read it, but I want to read it. It's complicated. Just like mythology. (laughs) (laughs) I I agree that her origin story needs to include the assault because once you make the decision that a character was assaulted, you don't get to just go back and erase that to make it less complicated. Mm-hmm. You know, it becomes representation of a very real thing that happens to very real people. And and you can't you can't undo that. That's you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube on yeah. one. So I think that's definitely an important factor. I really, I know that this would be, like, actually changing the myth, but I would do this. I would want um, Athena and Medusa's relationship to look really different because, uh, so Medusa is a priestess of Athena. That tells us a lot about her character, and I don't think that this gets brought up often, but, so, in, in Athens, you could be a priestess of Athena, And this gave you so much power and privilege as a woman in this time, more than any other woman in ancient Greece at that time. You were learning uh, academics, you were learning to fight and defend yourself, you had duties in the temple, you were allowed a life outside the home, and you were allowed to develop skills that were reserved for men otherwise. So we know that Medusa is an empowered, competent person. We know that she went and made a life for herself. Like, the rest of her family is immortal. She's the only person who has a limited lifespan. And we watch her go and make a life for herself within the mortal world, but then choosing to to go down a path full of empowerment and to really make the most out of it. And so obviously her relationship with Athena exists before Poseidon even is factored in. Like, she's already a priestess of her. So I think a relationship with Miss Medusa and Athena could look any number of ways, but it, I don't think it should look like Athena being a victim blamer, and I don't think it should look like her transformation into a Gorgon was a punishment. Um, and I think it's really interesting that she turns men to stone by looking them in the eyes, because it's, it is easy to interpret that as 
you you know you won't be able to harm her anymore like she has a defense against you now that'd be interesting right i remembered what we had said earlier basically about perseus talking to medusa and i think that if we get a retelling that needs to happen and like we said medusa doesn't need to be dead to kill the king or whatever so imagine if he talks to her and she's just like okay cool and comes with him helps him out and then like whatever like this story doesn't change the all overarching like plot points don't change other than the death of medusa (laughs) i've gathered some thoughts yes um so definitely i i like the idea um that you guys were mentioning about um kind of seeing her life before all the stuff that happened with Poseidon, like her being a priestess, her relationship with Athena as a goddess as a priestess. Um, and I can definitely see that like being a big part of it. Like I think if there was ever to be a story or adaptation focusing on Medusa, though her assault is important, I hope it's never actually shown in the story. Like the allusion to it would be best like if they're going into it of like the events that happens after it don't show it just start immediately after so you're not seeing her assault you're not having that traumatizing of her as you know as a person in mythology but also not traumatizing audiences or anything like that by like in giving triggering material but making sure that that's not the only thing that defines her just knowing that's it okay this has happened but it's not something we've seen it's not something that we're making a big focus because that is not what defines her as a person, as a character. It is the things that come after and the way in which she deals with what happens. That's what makes her Medusa. That's what makes her an interesting character. Not what happened to her because something happening to you isn't something that should ever define you as a person. Um, and I hope that would be something that would be considered yeah. a story of Medusa. Um, add in the additional fact of like I would like Athena to be more you know supportive of women Yeah, so Megan, what did you take away from looking into Medusa? So, um, from the Percy Jackson adaptation, I feel like she's a really smart businesswoman. And I think that if you can turn things into stone with your vision, selling small statues is a really profitable uh, field to go into. Um... But I also, like we talked about on a more serious note, I, I want to focus more on her life before she was transformed. And I think it's really incredible that she um, made her own path with her family as the only mortal. And she didn't even just bravely dive into mortal society herself. She became a priestess of Athena, which is a very high station in ancient Athens and gave you so much access and autonomy. So I think I think she was very good at forging her own path and it's so unfortunate how she was derailed. But I think I want to focus on, on that part of her life. What about you, Quinn? 
Yeah, I, every time I look at Medusa's story, I'm just shocked at how much I can forget uh, and how much she's just been mistreated over the years. I I think it's just important to look at, really, and remember, okay, she is a victim of sexual assault. What did she do afterwards? How was she treated by her society? She was literally shunned to hide in an island. Uh, and yeah, in, in Percy Jackson, he she makes that a business of it. Of it. But uh, overall, she's lives a solitary life after she experiences this. And it's really tough. Um, yeah, I, it's hard to take away anything other than sympathy and you want things to be better. (laughs) Want things to be better for people. Yeah. Um, For me, I think what I take away from Medusa is just a level of strength, I guess, like of the fact that, yeah, she went into isolation and she was alone for a long period of time but after everything that happened she had no problem with turning shitty men into shitty statues and i can appreciate (laughs) she really said come in get hit (laughs) (laughs) the ancient greek version of talk shit get hit Hosted by Quinn Albert and Megan. Produced and edited by Megan Peterson. We will link all our socials, our Patreon, and our Redbubble store below if you would like to see more from us. Cover art by Tyler Peterson. We are distributed by Ink. Thank you for listening. by Christabel Hastings, The Lightning Thief by Rick Riordan, Why So Many Mythological Monsters Are Female from the Smithsonian Magazine by Nora McCreevy. The links for all of these texts will be in the